welcome to Stories with Drinks, where we over-psychoanalyze characters from your favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. And I'm Tyler, he, his, him. And before we get started, I'm just going to put out a blanket spoiler warning for this episode, because we are touching on some topics that are actually pretty recent in the media nerdverse. We're being timely. We are being very timely this time. We're being so timely that the show, in fact, has its series finale next week. And That's, the series finale is actually the like two days after this episode posts. Oh, well, there we go. It's next week when we yeah. record. So yeah. um, we don't know what happens in the series finale of this show yet. Um, but we are diving in to the amazing the so cool what we've been watching weekly and freaking out about wanda vision this has been a character that like i have loved the entire avengers like run that she has been in and i just think this show has been amazing but we are taking on the characters of wanda and vision from wanda vision and again there might be things that come up that speak directly about the tv show so we are just putting it out in the beginning that we might be spoiling some stuff (laughs) and that's okay but if you haven't finished watching wandavision or if you care and you are not completely caught up yet please be mindful maybe get caught up then come back give us a listen and see what you think um but before we officially get started tyler i have a get to know you question Oh my gosh, what is it? So, WandaVision. What what is it? (laughs) WandaVision has all about different sitcoms. And it takes, each episode kind of takes the form of a different classic sitcom error. Um, So kind of two part. One, which has been your favorite error so far in the show. But then also, what's your favorite classic sitcom? My favorite era of the show... I would say, well, it's hard to say because it's like it's so tied with the episodes themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, do you, which episode is your favorite? They're all really good. <laughs> but I really liked um, for different reasons. I really liked the the bewitched episode because mm-hmm. we start to see stuff that's happening outside of their house a little bit more. You get a better taste of who Agnes is a little bit more, which is really cool. But like the uh, Malcolm in the Middle and modern family episodes i got the references more so i i liked those because of that and then my favorite classic sitcom probably how i met your mother if we consider that classic at this point i mean it came out in like 2004 so 2005 i don't know somewhere around there i think you have to give it like four more years and then it's officially history i think you have to be like 20 years old or something like that but close enough Hmm. yeah so i'll go with that one what about for you um, I really liked how they started it off with the the Dick Van Dyke show, um, that classic slapstick humor. I think they nailed perfectly while incorporating the magic aspect that the show has. Um, a lot of the, the original TV tropes that were so common at that time were just brought to life through the magic of the show, which I thought was just great. TV sitcom-wise, if we go old olds i really did like bewitched and um like i dream of genie i grew up with grandparents in the house so i watched a lot of those shows mm-hmm. and then if we think more modern sitcom 
I know it's controversial, but like the original Roseanne was my family's jam. Okay. Like the OG first couple seasons Roseanne's before it got weird. And then like, of course, way before it got political. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you well, go. Tyler, you have a new client. I do have a new client. And I want to take you back mm-hmm. to a magical time. The year is 2016, 17-ish, somewhere in there. And we're going back in time because I wanted to talk about this character a little bit earlier in their um, timeline versus where they are in WandaVision, mostly because technically their story is over, but that's a whole other thing. Let me just run you down some demographics. So the Vision is one and a half years old, <laughs> synthesoid, agender presenting as male, asexual, we think, and a- and possibly has some romantic feelings. We're not sure. So this big red dude in a sweater walks into my office. And I, I can tell you that's not the strangest thing that I've ever heard come out of a client's mouth for therapy. Looking to kind of understand emotions a little bit better, looking to understand how to pick up on social cues a little bit better, and how to look past logic to be able to see the human feeling that's underneath. Um, So that is what we are working on with the vision or vision. Um, I think vision is probably what he would prefer. The vision makes him sound like an object. So vision is very young, very unfamiliar with how humans work. He shares that he is uh, part AI, part Infinity Stone, part Bruce Banner and Tony Stark tinkering together, Uh, part Ultron, actually, also, which is an interesting combo for someone. You know, we've all got our baggage with our pasts and some of the labels and things that we carry. And that's what I would tell him. I would normalize it. I think the interesting thing with me and Vision, especially early on in this, is that I use a lot of humor in therapy, and I don't know how well he would be able to pick up on that until we had been working together for quite a while. But really, his issue is I want to know what emotions are. I've been ignoring my emotions a lot, or you know, I just don't understand what these things are. He does have them. We know that he does have emotions. But like a lot of people I've talked to, Sometimes you're just unfamiliar because you've never felt that emotion before, or you are afraid of what that emotion might mean for you. And so you rely on logic and trying to make that work when working with your emotions. So how would I work with vision on this stuff? First thing I do with a lot of clients is I teach them the body scan. Um, which is a really quick mindfulness exercise. Um, I I won't go into Mm -hmm. the whole thing here, but basically you close your eyes, you take a deep breath, you imagine a line at the top of your head, scan down your whole body, paying attention for different body sensations. And then the way that I do it is at the end, I have them assign a a feeling word to what they're feeling. Um, So for example, if somebody is experiencing a lot of tension in their shoulders and neck, I would say, what do you think that is for you? And they would say probably anxiety or fear. And so discussing all of these things with the vision or vision because he just doesn't know. He, he has never been experienced to these things. I think the other thing that's kind of interesting is he's very, very smart. He's super intelligent. He knows stuff 
but he's also one and a half years old. He doesn't know how to apply it quite right yet. And so we would just work on, okay, so you're feeling angry or you're having these feelings come up that are weird and conflicting. Let's talk about them. And I have that happen with clients all the time where people say like, hey, you know, I'm feeling guilt and I'm feeling excitement. How do I deal with both of those things at once? And we would say, you know, you can have both of those feelings at once. They don't always play well together, but it does happen because you're human. You can have more than one feeling at once. Let's try to hold on to both of those things and see what's going on here and process that. So the other thing that I put in his demographics, you might've heard, I was like romantic, maybe. Uh, that would I be that would be what I think is the emotion he's coming in to work on. Um, he's thinking like I'm spending a lot of time with this woman from work, uh, and I'm starting to enjoy the time that I spend with her. And also, it's a little I don't know. This is something new. I'm not sure what's going on here. And then so sitting down, someone who looks like a full grown adult, and saying like this is what attraction is. And this is how you deal with attraction in an adult way. You know, what do you, how do you want to handle this? How, how do you feel this started for you? And so him saying like, you know, well, I was, I'm taking care of this co this colleague. Um, I'm making sure that she's safe. Um, and I'm aware that Avengers, you know, lead pretty dangerous lives. So it makes sense. So I'm making sure that she's safe following the death of a loved one. Okay. Awesome. Tell me about what your goal in these interactions is. And he's saying, I, I want to comfort her. That is what I would like to do the most. And so as his therapist, I think one, asking him like, is this comfort really for you to make you more comfortable or for her to make her more comfortable? Have you asked her what she needs? You know, teaching him all of these small communication skills around how to help someone with grief or with any sort of tough emotion that they might be going through, explaining what grief might feel like, um, because this would be something that's totally foreign to him. He does not know. And really kind of digging into what some people prefer versus others, but how everyone is different and unique. And it takes more so just communicating with them to help in that sort of a regard. So I think the first question I would always tell someone to you know, hey, if you want to help someone and they're having a rough time or they're having a bad day, they're grieving, uh, especially someone who identifies male or expresses male because we're socialized a little differently to to solve problems and to not relax and like hang out with the emotion. It would be teaching him like the ultimate question and write it down if you need to pause the mm-hmm. podcast and write it down. If somebody is having a tough time and you aren't sure how to help them, a really good opening question is, do you need comfort right now or solutions? Because if you go in to try and solve the problem and they don't want that, they're going to get pissed at you. If you go in and you try to comfort them and that's really not what they're looking for either, you, you know, they, they're actually saying like, no, I need help with this. You, you might, you're going to rub them the wrong way. So asking somebody, what are they looking for? Do you want comfort? Do you want just me to listen? Do you want me to help you work out this problem that's bothering you? And just kind of look at what that might be. Do you want me to just spend time with you? We don't even have to talk. Really just communicating with the other person. This is how you figure out what they need. Um, And so talking with vision and really just kind of digging down into what do you think she needs? And not just assuming, go ask her. (laughs) 
and also saying, you know, hey, I get that you're having these feelings come up for you, but also while someone is grieving the loss of a loved one is probably not the greatest time to be like, hey, I am super attracted to you. It's probably not great. But if he wants to be there for her to be a place of comfort in whatever way that is comforting to her, I think is the the place to start with all of that. So overall, you know, to summarize everything with vision, it's just teaching him like, okay, this is what your emotions are. This is what they feel like in your body, because there is a such thing as mind body connection. And you definitely need to have that peace. And then, you know, this is also how you deal with emotions in other people, especially with the ones that are relevant to his life, relevant to his experience, which right now is how do I help someone who's grieving? And not just someone who's grieving from what he's described, this person is grieving and maybe not grieving. So, you know, successfully, I guess I I hate to say successfully in that, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's somebody who is grieving by digging their heels in, I guess is the best way to put it. And again, everybody grieves differently. There's no judgment in that. It's just that it sounds like this person does not want to face the grief. Instead, she wants to just try to you know, survive, hold on and survive. And that makes sense given, you know, what I know about the Avengers and what they do and all that kind of stuff, you know, they must be exposed to trauma a lot. The thing I will say about vision as a client is I really, you know, having him come in has been kind of interesting every week. Cause you do kind of start at square one of like, this is what anger is. And you're like, you know, he'll be able to identify anger is when somebody does this uh, mm-hmm. and I scrunch my eyebrows or anger is when somebody starts yelling and going, okay, well, now what does anger look like in me? What does that feel like in me? How do I explore that? Which is also interesting because I don't think we ever really see him get angry. He's a pretty, he's a pretty chilled out guy. Um, but he does get, later on, we do see him get like suspicious and nervous. Um, he does fight with, oh no, we do see him actually in WandaVision. We do see him get mm-hmm. angry. Now that I'm remembering, right? Yeah. Um, where they they go out, like he's, they're both like flying in the air to fight each other uh, at the end of the, uh, the nineties episode or the eighties episode. I think you also feel, see him feel intense pain and sadness, mm-hmm. not physical, but like the emotional pain and sadness of having to look at Wanda and say like, destroy me. Mm-hmm. Cause he knows yeah. that empathy mm-hmm. piece, which for him would be, the difference between just AI and what the vision is. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm looking really early in his timeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Later, yeah. later on, he has developed more emotions. Uh, I think the scene in infinity war where they're in Glasgow together and like he, he has this very deep range of emotions because Paul Bettany is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he has this deep, emotion of like this want of just wanting to be with Wanda and then they get attacked by because he's got a you know an infinity stone in his head (laughs) I think would be interesting too is teaching like he knows the definitions of all these feelings he knows the the (laughs) blanket definitions and he technically has the internet a brain right so he's seen things but really understanding that feelings are so much different than just their definition because how one person expresses angry is different than how another person expresses angry. 
and how another person and how another person. Yeah. Teaching him the nuance of emotion, Mm -hmm. not necessarily teaching him emotions, but teaching him just the nuance and how to check in with yourself. And Mm -hmm. how do you define all these things? Like I think the interesting thing is when you're teaching somebody about emotion, a lot of the time you have to teach them the vocabulary Mm -hmm. of like, okay, I'm feeling angry, but it's not quite angry. There's some angry, but there's some sad. And I'm not sure what that is. And it's like, well, let's try on words until we get there. Like disappointed. Does that feel right for you? Or um, like, you know, frustrated, Mm -hmm. you know, like just going and finding what the right word is. I feel like vision would be really good at that because he just goes searches the database and is like, I feel. (laughs) He has the feeling wheel in his head. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel ebullient, which is one of my favorites. It's just a happy word, but. You know, it's, I just think it would be a really interesting challenge to mm-hmm. do that with him. It's like, okay, he knows, he knows the basics and he knows the basic fundamentals of therapy too. If we were on to think about it, he's got the mindstone in his head. He knows everything technically. Right. Which is probably um, why he'd he come carried- into therapy. Cause he's like, I'm having issues identifying feelings and understanding myself. Rotodex, what do you do? Therapy. <laughs> therapy. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just think it would be really fun to work with him on this stuff. And like I said, not far removed from clients that I see in my practice right now. Um, mm-hmm. I have people that come in that have a really difficult time just in experiencing their emotions or their emotions have been locked away for so long that when they do come up, they are really raw and really, really powerful. Um, and it's that same idea of like, I'm going to logic this away. I'm going to use my thoughts to make my emotions go away. And when you realize that those two things are like oil and water, they do not play together really well. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts can actually really in- enhance your emotions, but they are not good at totally locking them away and making them not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't have that ability as humans. We just can't do it. Right. And... I commonly talk about with feelings is so much of it is also out of our control because of the chemical compounds that create certain serotonin, like uh, neurotransmitters that can influence how we feel at any given time. And if our brain is working against us, it doesn't help. And, you know, we're often like, well, why can't I just be this when it comes to a feeling? It's like, well, what if we accept the feelings we have and think about alternative thoughts or how can we choose to behave differently? Or how can we choose to express that feeling differently in a more proactive way or in a way that's more authentic and true to your experience of that feeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I tell people this like same, same basic thing. Like you, can, you can't control what you feel. It's just mm-hmm. like your immediate reaction to the environment. If I ran into the room and threw the door open, you would be startled because that's what happens when somebody run, bursts into a room. Um, it, you can kind of control what you think. You can like make lists. You can say mm-hmm. like, oh, I need to go get dinner later. Or I need to go to the store and get milk and egg and cheese. But you can't control all of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. If you could, I would have many less clients because a lot <laughs> of the time the problem is intrusive thoughts. Yes. Um, but those, the, the, you know, it's by definition, they are intruders. They intrude. And But what you can control is what you do. But you have to be paying attention to the other two first to be able to do that. Um, so really going into what, like, what can you control is really, really small, which is kind of terrifying in some respects because then it's like, well, what if I want to control everything? But it also is freeing to the re- to the thing of like, okay, not, not everything is my problem. Mm-hmm. I can only control me. And that is okay. 
And I would say like so, Vision yeah. has a pretty good grasp at that. And again, we're kind of extending past where you might be with mm-hmm. him. Well, I, in your world, did Civil War happened? Uh, Civil War has is happening is happening happening. okay yeah because i think a lot of that comes up in civil war if i can really just control myself and what what my role is in all this exactly so yeah so that's vision well thank you and then i know in some ways it's wanda and vision but why did you specifically think vision uh because you wouldn't let me do mephisto no i'm just kidding i'm kidding (laughs) it's always Mephisto. Um... (laughs) no i wouldn't let you do wanda (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why vision? I, again, like, yeah, we were doing WandaVision and it seemed like the logical decision. Um, but, uh, I, he's an interesting character. Like I said, it's an interesting thought experiment of like, this person is a year and a half years old mm-hmm. yet is in the body of an adult and has access to all of the information in the universe. Like what he would he, what would he struggle with? And it's like, yeah, you just struggle with the emotional part. Um, he would struggle with the same things humans struggle with because that's the part of him he can't understand yeah which is the part i think for all of us because we like to ignore that we're animals and think that we're machines and we're not Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's vision he's cool dude and then just one last thing for vision is just because it's it's this beautifully written and performed line, and I feel like it would be remiss if we did not include it in any sort of discussion about this beautiful man, um, is in episode eight of WandaVision, uh, he has this conversation with Wanda that I've been alluding to throughout this whole presentation. Uh, that's where I got a lot of my information just for what I wanted to present. But they're talking about her grief and his response is, what is grief if not love persevering? I'm planning on bringing that up, by the way. <laughs> That's cool. Bring yeah. it up again. It's, it's so, so good. good. It's so good. It's so good. So yeah, that's a preview, I guess, for our next segment. Thanks. We are going to take a short break and we'll be right back with some more stories with shrinks. Hey y'all, this is Jennifer. We wanted to reach out and let you all know that we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories with Shrinks and on Twitter, Shrink Stories. We post before episodes, little sneak peeks about what we're talking about and trying to engage more with our community about the topic. You can find that and join the story with us online. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, where today we're talking about WandaVision. We are back after my lovely review of Vision, if I do say so myself, not to toot my own horn. And I believe, Jen, that you have a new client. I do have a new client. And it might come to a surprise, though we've hinted at it multiple times. But if you took Vision from WandaVision, my new client is Wanda Maximoff. And we are looking at her today between the time of her time after Civil War and before Infinity Wars. So just kind of give that precursor. This is before WandaVision, but we're going to talk about stuff from WandaVision as well. But Wanda is roughly 31 years old, cisgender female, and 
we're gonna i am going to assign though it may not be accurate more of a pansexual identity with wanda she falls in love with vision and vision is not a human male in all extents purposes but wanda again doesn't technically classify her sexuality in any of the shows or movies but is a cisgender female sexuality wise fluid or pan sexual depending on um, how she would specifically identify and is coming into therapy to process trauma and not just one trauma but very complex trauma a lot of that underlines with very complex grief and when we look at grief and trauma from a strict diagnosing viewpoint if we go very clinical for a minute when looking at trauma diagnosis and anxiety and depression diagnoses and um stress related ones when we have any kind of complex bereavement it changes the game Mm -hmm. because culturally speaking and personally speaking grief changes the game it, it truly does and there's no correct way to grieve there's no wrong way to grieve um but it mirrors and mimics and um takes you through so many different ranges of feelings and complexity of feelings from anxiety to depression to anger to numbness and wanda truly goes through I think the whole gambit throughout her life of grieving. And I would even say she's never had a moment from one of the first early childhood traumas to process and know what it's like not to be grieving um, from just the different moments and tragedies in her life. So she is coming into therapy while she is an active um, fugitive and um is with in what from basic research which i do believe is like scotland um but it also just on the run after the events of civil war in her time in the raft after capt has rescued them freed them from the raft And I think this would be the time where she'd most likely come into therapy because she is exploring her relationship with vision where she has this opportunity to every so often escape into their own reality, their own little pocket space where they get to be together and explore what it means for them to finally be together. And it's the first time though on the run, she's had a moment to stop and to kind of feel at peace because there's not much happening currently um so she begins to tell her story and again i I take a more narrative approach so i would invite her to tell her story of what happened and i think with grieving being able to tell the complete story so often we try to tell one aspect of the event from one perspective of our adult brain talking to a child or a of ourselves at the time but no let's complete the whole story let's complete it from the perspective of how old were you at the time the realities of being 10 years old growing up and thinking as that 10 year old versus thinking of the adult we are now um so she grew up in sokovia mom dad twin brother and 
life wasn't easy for them. Um, it was a war-torn country. It was low poverty levels. But based on what we saw, actually, in one of the most recent episodes of WandaVision, they were they seemed happy. They they had family movie nights where they got to learn and practice English. And she talks about this, how they all enjoyed watching the classic TV sitcoms growing up as a family at dinner. Um, and it was at the age of 10 during an air raid where her parents were killed. And her and her twin brother were trapped under their bed for two days when a missile landed in their home and they got to watch it beep in front of them, not knowing if it would go off, not knowing what would happen to them. And all it read was Stark Industry. And she said that this was the point in her life where things changed. This was the the first major trauma that changed things. She said she witnessed other things growing up living in a worn, torn country, but relatively speaking, that this was the turning point. Um, She had lost her parents and she was angry and she was angry specifically at Tony Stark because they caused this. Um, And this led to a growing hatred of America, of Tony Stark, of these people coming into her country and causing these wars under their impressions of what needed to happen. And her and her brother dedicated much of their early teens and young adulthood to protesting against Stark Industries, the United States, and later joining Hydra, which they would later find out is Hydra, but to help fight against them. And they had a passion for this and it got them a lot of attention. And she's knowing now as an adult, um, kind of what happened, a lot of our time would be focusing on the choices she had at that moment in her life with the feelings she had so often we don't give ourselves enough credit we downplay or talk negatively about our past self and the choices that they made but for teenaged orphans living in a worn torn country angry grieving we would talk about compassion for that teenager compassion for um her and her brother's experience Um, understanding what it was like to have a teenage brain who was grieving and going through trauma constantly um, and talking about what choices she had at the time, Um, even though you're aware of maybe choices differently, looking back, you only had the choices that were presented to you in that moment. Um, And being able to really break down these events and these experiences. Um, Then later, as she continues to tell her story, talking about developing her powers and being able to provide her space to talk about that awakening and what it meant for her. And so often she describes the experience of everyone seeing her differently, yet her being the same person and yet not being the same person and her really not knowing who she was anymore after her powers were awakened. and what it meant to be working with Hydra and Hydra, Hydra-related organizations um, and trying to figure out her and her brother's role. This, of course, leads to the initial interaction with the Avengers, um, learning how she can manipulate and um, kind of affect people's minds and how she wants to see herself and she describes one of the the breaking points is learning what Ultron is and 
being able to make that moral choice of right or wrong and being for once being presented with all the information because she can read minds and know the true intentions behind people and that how that changes um and talk about the before and after of that of like before you could do this and after you could do that once you knew the intentions what decisions were you making at that time um and being able to again work through those incidences up to the point of her brother's death um she describes it as that grief that losing the last piece of her family as like a wave washing over her and drowning in that sorrow um and feeling like she can't get up which we she says like i remember having that energy blast from me not realizing how much pain she'd been holding in and how much she released in that moment and I think also being afraid of herself of what she can do and trying to contain that from then on forward um which then leads to her joining the Avengers and trying to actually um do good and trying to use her powers for good and trying to change that course in her life um this then, of course, leads to the events of Lagos, um, which, again, she sees her powers be uncontrollable and uncontainable um, in the sense that it was because of her civilians died and that grief, grieving the loss of almost like knowing yourself and what you're capable of and what am I capable of. And this is when we find her stuck, at, stuck in Avengers headquarters. And so much of it is a balance between keeping her safe and keeping people safe from her and she's aware of that because again she she makes that comment of what the outside thinks of her and the fearing of her and how others view her and then this is when vision comes in and really seeing her and not just fearing her and seeing her powers as we continue again to process all of this looking at what vision means to her and she, he was the first one really able to sit with her, not judge her, not judge her past mistakes, and being able to talk to her in a way that made sense and share a TV night. Um, so she was able to almost teach him English in a way through the sitcoms, as she once learned growing up and was able to watch the sitcoms, which have always been a comfort to her of understanding the world and for vision, learning humor and learning reactions and learning comedy and tragedy all through the sitcoms that she learned so much through. And I know Tyler technically brought this up prior, but I said I would do it again in one of those conversations where Vision is comforting her and they're talking about sadness. She says her grief is like waves washing over her again and again. And every time she tries to stand up, it comes at me again and it's going to drown me. And that fear of what happens when it drowns me when I have these powers and I already know what happens when I lose control and then vision comes in saying that it you know it can't all be sorrow and that in his experience because he is a child really timeline wise yes he's a, a grown man but he doesn't know a lot of these things because he hasn't had the opportunity to experience them yet and he says I've never had a loved one to lose 
but what is grief if not preserving love because that's what we're feeling we're feeling that loss of love and we're trying to preserve it for as long as possible so we don't forget then we have the events of civil war leading to her capture in the raft and then finally them being able to be back together um, and being able to grow together again we're learning and processing what it means to love in the fear of loss can we let ourselves go and trust ourselves to love and be free with vision and being able to process that grief that sometimes prevents us from being able to let go and love because what if I lose him as well what if I hurt him what if what if something happens and then um it's really strange like she kind of just like stopped coming in for a second and then I woke up and like five years later, all this stuff happened. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where we would probably leave it because we wouldn't, I wouldn't know what happened to Wanda after that. But again, I feel like so much of her story is acceptance of herself for past mistakes, forgiveness and compassion for her past self and giving her that space to realize that it is a wave. It will wash over you. But what, when we look at the ocean, and I, I talk to clients about this, and we see that wave, we only see the big wave in the back. And we don't realize that as it comes closer to the shore, no matter how big the wave gets, when it hits the shore, it's smaller. And it might pull us in, it might feel really heavy, it might really hurt, but it will wash back into the ocean. And we will be left standing there. And we will be wet and we will probably feel uncomfortable and we will have to figure out how to get dry again, but we don't have to let it drown us. We can experience our feelings and they can be heavy and it can be okay. And usually in a case like this, I would invite her to give herself permission to cry and let herself cry. Um, so often I hear when working with clients with grief and trauma is I'm afraid I'm going to cry because I'll never stop crying. We normally stop crying. It feels like we won't, but we, we probably will. Um, might take a little bit, but we usually do. And when we give ourselves permission to cry, um, that compassion we show ourselves helps us actually stop crying a little bit sooner than if something were to trigger it again, which we see in WandaVision, what happens when she didn't let herself grieve. Um, and... Yeah, that, that is Wanda, kind of learning to, to process and trust. Awesome. Tell me about your connection to Wanda. Okay, so fangirl over here, I freaking love Wanda. She is the best in the moment uh, when she has like Thanos on one side and Vision on the other and she's bawling her eyes out. I'm like, oh my God, girl, so good. And yeah, I, I love Wanda. I love the story arc for her. I love um, the complexity of it in the fact that like she didn't always make the best choices, but she made the choices she had at the time and she allowed herself to go from I was doing something I didn't know wasn't the right choice to I learned what the right choice could be. I made a choice to stand up and fight and I grew and I love how so much of her story is learning to trust herself and like discover who she is and I think her outfit is just badass and beautiful and she's just an amazing character and she's really cool 
And I wouldn't let Tyler take on Wanda because I wanted Wanda because Wanda's like one of my faves. <laughs> and there we go. Awesome. Thank you so much. I think that's, I think we did it. Did we do an episode? I think we did an episode. We did an episode. All right. So the next time we have to do an episode based on Bewitched, I think is what it is how it works. And right. then after that, we'll do one based on the Brady Bunch. Yes. Then we'll do um, Full House. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then also... Rose, Roseanne. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Yep, yep. Modern mm-hmm. Family. Modern Family, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so we'll get on those. And then we'll the Monsters. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we have to do one on the Monsters. Yes, we have um, to go back and actually let us know that it was something else the whole time. <laughs> It was. It really was. That is my my one regret in the fact that we're doing a WandaVision episode is that we don't know enough about Agatha Harkness to do Agatha Harkness. We're just, we're getting more and more this past episode. Yeah. But the show is so interesting because it does play on so many um, layers and we find out so much more about these characters and get introduced to returning characters from other series and um, get to find out a little bit more about them and find out more about what happened. Jimmy Woo. Yep. About after the snap and the blip back. And we keep getting a little bit more glimpses to life after, which is fantastic. So imagine being a therapist dusting and then coming back five years later. Imagine just having clients that were like, I went away and now five years are gone. Right. And having to deal with all the grief and trauma from that. WandaVision is so good. So good. Okay. I want to just walk up to those writers and directors and actors and just shake their hands. Just mm-hmm. say thank Yeah, because there's only two so. weeks that goes between a five-year span. So it's two weeks for Wanda, mm-hmm. five years in the real world when WandaVision begins. And that means she didn't have five years like the other characters to grieve at peace. And it shows you the difference between like director Hayward and Mm -hmm. the other characters too. Cause like, he's super, he's like, he's definitely like, um, I mean, we're, we're getting way off topic here, but we're talking about WandaVision. We're um, good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, he's definitely like super against, uh, people with powers enhanced individuals as the mcu calls them um and when monica calls him out on it he's like you weren't there you don't know Mm -hmm. um which is actually one of my other favorite like happens yeah and she calls him a coward and he like is a total jerk to her Mm -hmm. yeah it's a shame that one character in the mcu named tyler is a total asshole (laughs) it makes me sad (laughs) what a bummer but that about wraps us up for this time uh i hope you've enjoyed our little foray into the mcu our time we've been here yeah yeah our second time we've been here um and i hope you all enjoy the finale of wandavision i'm looking forward to it it's gonna be great as am i bye y'all Take care, everyone. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com. 